Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cornerstone Bible Church Women's Study in the Psalms. This is Episode 7. In this podcast, we'll take a look at a different psalm each week for eight weeks. I'm Audra, and I'm so happy to be back today as we dive into Psalm 16, a psalm of David. Can you believe we're already nearing the end of our study together? I pray it has been a source of encouragement to you. We only have one more psalm to go after this one, but I am planning a bonus episode for after week eight to recap the study. For the bonus episode, I would love to hear from you. On our church's website and in the show notes, you'll find a link to record yourself sharing one of your favorite psalms, and it doesn't have to be a psalm from the study. It can be any of the 150 psalms in the Psalter. We'd love to know if you have a favorite psalm. It might encourage us to continue to read some of them on our own over the holidays. Your recording can be short, no longer than a minute. You can share your first name, the name of your favorite psalm, and why you like it. For example, I might share, Hi, my name is Audra, and my favorite psalm is Psalm 27. I love this psalm because it reminds me to seek the beauty of the Lord every day. So simple, right? But it will be so much fun to hear from you. So please think about what you'd like to share and send those in through the link by November 11th. Back to our psalm for week 7, Psalm 16. Many scholars believe this psalm was written by David when he was a refugee driven from the land of Israel and fleeing King Saul and his men. They wanted to deprive him of his inheritance from the Lord and told him to go serve other gods, 1 Samuel 26, 19. In Psalm 16, we see David confidently affirming his commitment to the Lord and rejecting other false gods. Psalm 16, a Midcom of David. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word to us. I see your goodness displayed all over this psalm, and I desire to be in your presence. For in your presence is fullness of joy. You are enough, Lord. Will you go with us this week as we walk with you? Will you continue to guide us on the path of life? In Jesus' name, amen.
we will now walk through the psalm verse by verse. You may want to follow along in your Bible as we talk through this step. Verse 1, when David prays, keep me safe, it is a desire for continued protection. He addresses God as El here, a more generic name for God. In verse 2, David gives a profession of faith. He says to the Lord, Yahweh, you are my Lord, Adonai. He is saying that Yahweh is his highest good. In verse 3, David calls the faithful people living in Israel, holy people, and the noble ones in whom is all my delight. David is thankful for other believers in Yahweh in the land. In contrast to the faithful people living in Israel, Gerald Wilson writes that David is disassociating himself with those who seek after other gods in verse 4. The worshipers of other deities are described as running urgently or excitedly after them. Their haste demonstrates their misguided need or joyous attachment to what is false. David rejects their practice of pouring out libations of blood to their gods. Although it was the practice of the Israelite priests to offer sacrifices to Yahweh, these sacrifices were never called libations, as there were strict rules in the law about the sacrifices the Israelite priests observed. David will have nothing to do with the practice of people who make sacrifices to false gods. David also goes even further and refuses to even say the names of these false gods. In verse 5, David then takes up the name of the Lord, Yahweh, on his lips and recognizes him as his portion and his cup. Gerald Wilson writes about verse 6 that David's visual shifts and overlaps from the portion in the ritual cup to the portion of the land distributed by Lot with boundary lines marking off ancestral inheritance. He notes these four terms are all associated with the distribution of the land to the tribes of Israel following the conquest of Canaan. David's observation is that Yahweh alone is responsible for his pleasant circumstances, and this stands in direct contrast to, to the cultural belief that the pagan Canaanite gods were responsible for the land's bounty. I will praise the Lord in verse 7, literally means I will bless the Lord. Wilson notes that the Israelites understood that grateful humans desire to give God something more than laudatory praise, and that is what blessing is all about, the desire to heap good and benefit on the one blessed. Not only has Yahweh given David a secure and blessed environment, but he provides counsel and instruction to chastise, discipline, teach, and train during the night. David then keeps his eyes on the Lord in verse 8. Now Yahweh is David's guide, leading in the secure path. David can trust this path because Yahweh is at his right hand. David has firm footing. He will not be shaken because he has Yahweh's continuous presence. In verse 9, David's response to having God as his firm foundation is a glad heart and a joyful tongue. And he says, my body will also rest secure. Wilson notes, inner joy, the heart, breaks forth into audible praise, the tongue, and emotional joy is grounded in the physical security of the body. Verse 10, 
realm of the dead or the grave is the third reference to Sheol in the Psalter so far. It is most likely David's immediate hope, um, that David's immediate hope is for God to intervene to protect death in his present circumstance. When David writes your holy one or your faithful one, depending on your translation, he could refer to himself or um, as a faithful follower of Yahweh in general. Either way, he is assured that Yahweh will not let him see decay, and we will unpack this verse even further in the next section. In verse 11, David is confident that God will guide him on the right path. God will make clear the path to his presence. Professor Marvin Tate writes that many psalms picture a form of worship in joy and exuberant praise that stands out in the Bible, a very different attitude than that in the sacrificial worship of Leviticus. Wilson notes, with death avoided and the way to God made clear, David can only rejoice at being filled or Hebrew be satisfied with joy and eternal pleasures in God's presence. As Yahweh stood always at David's right hand to guide, instruct, and protect, he is confident of being forever at Yahweh's right hand to experience both the benefits and the blessings of his presence. There are a number of themes in this psalm to explore. For simplicity's sake, I'll focus on just one theme for our Bridging the Time section. Maybe you'll find more themes to explore on your own this week. Since God's word is living and active, something new will often stick out to us with a fresh reading of a familiar passage. We're going to look at verse 10. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. So both Peter and Paul uh, treat this verse and surrounding verses as a prophecy of Christ's resurrection. And since they do such an eloquent job of explaining it, I'm going to go ahead and read um, first from Acts chapter 2, uh, when Peter is addressing the crowd in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. And then later on in Acts uh, 13, Paul 
also quotes Psalm 16 as a messianic prophecy. Paul says, So it is also stated elsewhere, you will not let your Holy One see decay. Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. So even though David in the psalm is asking for God to spare him from Sheol, we know that he did indeed eventually die. But what is relevant for us today is that God did not allow his son to be abandoned to the grave. And as Ben Patterson writes in God's prayer book, if you belong to Christ, his victory is your victory too. Our security that we have in God extends beyond this life. Jesus' body did not undergo decay, and we can be confident that death will be swallowed up in victory. 1 Corinthians 15 This brings us to step three, our application. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. Verse 5 I have to ask myself, Where do I find my security? At the time of recording this episode, it is the end of October 2020. The year COVID-19 spanned the globe and reached into our cities and neighborhoods. It has been a year of global civil unrest and rioting, a year where wildfires ravaged our state of California and other terrible natural disasters happened all over the world. We are also approaching a presidential election that, is, that has people grossly divided, not to mention all the trials we experience in our own personal lives that can make these other issues feel like nothing compared to our own pain. If there was a year when we needed to feel secure, this would be one of them. It is at times like this, when the world threatens to close in on me, that I need to open up the word of God and let him guide and instruct me. Just as David praised God who instructed him, we have the Holy Spirit to teach us all things, John 14. He gives me assurance that transcends my circumstances. My mother-in-law, Ginny, before I married Mike, shared a rather poignant picture with me. We were chatting about identity one day. She took a piece of paper and in the center drew a small circle that represented me, my identity. She wrote the words, security, significance, and satisfaction across the top. She said that we must first find our identity in God alone. He alone gives us security. He alone gives us significance. He alone can fully satisfy us. Around the first circle, she drew larger circles one after another that represented my roles. One circle represented my role as a daughter, another as a sister, another as friend, as student, employee, etc. She explained that when we confuse our identity with our roles, then we run into confusion and frustration. No one person or thing can give us security, significance, and satisfaction the way only God can. Then she recommended a book called Conform to His Image. In the book, Kenneth Boa explains that we are inherently motivated to have our needs met, but it is extremely easy for us to be deceived into the world's thinking that they can be met in some place other than the hand of God. 
This can lead only to frustration because no person, possession, or position can take the place of what God alone can do. Essentially, David is giving the same message in Psalm 16. He is saying, God is my security, for I take refuge in you, and my flesh will also dwell securely. Verses 1 and 9. David is saying, God is my significance. You are my Lord. I have no good beside you. Verse 2. David is saying, God is my satisfaction. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You support my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. Verse 6. My prayer is that I, like David, would say with confidence that God is enough. I don't have to wait on some good thing to happen because God is my good. I don't have to be tempted to have enough earthly possessions because God is my portion. I am satisfied in Him alone. He will supply all of my needs. Philippians 4.19 I don't have to look for security on this earth because He keeps me safe in Him. When scary things happen around us, Let's turn our eyes to the Lord who will steady our footing, for he is continually with us and is making known to us the path of life. He provides security, not only here, but even after death. There is complete satisfaction and endless joy in the loving presence of the living God. Thank you for joining me today for Psalm 16. Next week, we will take a look at Psalm 136, a communal thanksgiving. You can find out more information about this study on our church's website, cbcglendora.org, and in the show notes. Feel free to share this podcast with anyone who might be interested. And please remember to share your favorite psalm with us by November 11th. We are looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week.